Dude, I haven't played this game. Greetings, gamers. I'm Bedroth. And I'm Shoot Kapow. And you're listening to Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. Another episode of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast. This is episode two, and Shoot Kapow, you chose the topic for today. Tell us a little bit about it. Today we're going to be playing tracks from games that we haven't played, but we do have plans to play some of them. Yeah, I would say most of them. But again, uh, so last week I said there was only one rule. I guess technically there are two rules. The first rule is that everything we play has to be in some way related to the music from a video game. But other than that, shoot Kapow, what is our number one rule? Everything we play is very good music. And what very good music did you pick to start out our episode today? I picked Pressing Pursuit Cornered from Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Released for the Game Boy Advance in 2001 by Capcom. And I couldn't find specific composers for this track, but the composers for this game were Masakazu Sugimori and Akemi Kimura. Nice. Nice. And nice pronunciation there. You're getting better. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to also mention one more thing about the show. This is going to be a family-friendly gig. Uh, My son is 14 as we record and will most likely be 16 when we launch. But my wife is uh, pretty strict about the language that we use in the house. And I'm a good husband, so I like to honor that. So you're not going to hear anything more than maybe like shoot and crap and dang it and stuff like that. But we are going to play music sometimes from mature or M-rated games. So I can't unequivocally recommend every game that we play to everyone, but I do think I'll be able to recommend pretty much every song that we play to everyone. But before we get into my track, I wanted to talk a little about your opener. That was a real banger, man. Yes, it was. Nice tune. The GBA is not really celebrated for its music. The sound driver or something about the hardware wasn't super easy to compose for, and so a lot of people kind of tended to overlook it. It had an amazing library of games, but this song was really good, very high quality, which the Phoenix Wright series is known for. <laughs> yeah. So did you listen to a lot of the soundtrack before you picked this, or did you know about the song before we started? Uh, well, yeah, I heard this on the Brental Floss version, so... <laughs> yeah, yet again, Brental Floss introducing us to great video game music. Um, so when I first listened to this track, I was like, okay, there are three tracks, what system is this from? It sounds like it could be NES, but the quality of the samples, or the whatever you call it, is is really good. So I wasn't sure what it was at first, and then you said Phoenix Wright, and I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I love that that sort of driving like under rhythm in the song that um, 
ッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチッチ One of the episodes that I have in mind、uh, definitely, definitely features some music from this series. And you mentioned that Capcom is. What did you call Capcom? The Mega Man Company. The Mega Man Company. He probably is the poster child, but you don't have something like Marvel vs. Capcom without <laughs> a pretty deep library of characters.、So、do you know,、um, speaking of Marvel vs. Capcom, do you know which game Phoenix Wright debuted in, in, in the Marvel vs. Capcom series? Uh, no. It was Marvel vs. Capcom 3, actually. I have not played many of those games. I do think I played around with the first one and the second one in the arcades, but I've heard they're all super good. And Capcom has done a lot of crossover fighters over the years. Maybe we could do a topic on that sometime, because there's some pretty cool music there. But,、uh, moving on, the song that I am going to start out with tonight is actually from an M rated game. This is a game that I have heard quite a bit about.、Uh, I really. Love RPGs. I talked about Zelda last time as one of my favorite series, and once I started getting into things like Earthbound and Chrono Trigger, and eventually a little bit of Dragon Quest and then some Golden Sun on the DS, I just I knew that I had this, this was my kind of game, something I could sink my teeth into with a good story and characters I could follow, and some magic thrown in there with the combat. It was just everything that I loved. Well, this next game is one that I've heard you can sink quite a few hours into. The world Is even bigger than the world of Breath of the Wild. The story is great. It is based on a series of books that I am kind of interested in checking out, and it recently launched a Netflix show. Shukapow, do you have any idea what game I'm talking about?、Uh, well, the only thing that I can gather from this is the Dark Crystal.、Uh, the Dark Crystal is actually. I guess they did make a video game based on that、uh, when this most recent iteration launched, but、uh, no,、It's、good guess. It's not based on a book series, though.、So. I don't think it is. It's based on a、um, an older show、uh, produced by Jim Henson, who made the Muppets, Sesame Street, all the all the puppetry stuff. The movie that was too scary for Baby James. <laughs> Baby James. The odd ones out. Ah,、uh, from the odd ones out. You and your YouTubes. <laughs> okay.、Um, so, without further ado, the game that I am choosing my track from is The Witcher Three. The track title is Blood on the Cobblestones. This was composed by Mikolaj Storinsky. The lead composer on the game was Marcin, wow, Perzibilowicz, I think. Wow, that, that's a really cool name. So, some Northern European boys up in here. And this was produced by CD Projekt for multiple systems in 2015. The complete edition for the Switch, which is the one currently on my wish list, was released in 2019. Here is Blood on the Cobblestones.
and that was Blood on the Cobblestones. Man, I really dig this track. I really like these tracks that sort of combine orchestral elements like the harpsichord and the violin with those rock elements like, you know, this, the drum and that driving beat. All I could focus on the entire song was how much it sounded like Metal Gear. <laughs> I could totally just tie in the um, encounter theme from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, every few seconds my beloved son would go do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> I would be interested to see if there's a mashup out there somewhere because the songs really would go pretty well together, but I have no idea what is happening in the, this part of the game because, like all of the other games on this episode, I have never played it. I'll be interested to see how it ties in. Uh, this whole soundtrack is really pretty good. I was trying to pick something that... Uh, well, I was trying to pick a fairly diverse playlist this week, so it was a little bit arbitrary that I landed on this particular one, but um, many, many of the songs are really, really good. Uh, did you have anything else to talk about besides the fact that you kept thinking of Solid Snake? <laughs> um, well, I did kind of like the, um, the harpsichord. That was part of the Yep, that was pretty good stuff. <laughs> Alright, Goober. Um, so, what do you have for us next? Um, Alright, I'm gonna say go big or go home. I'm bringing out the big guns right off the bat. This is the battle theme from Final Fantasy, developed by Square for the NES in 1987, but not just any variation of the theme. This is the Super Smash Flash 2 Remix, released in 2011 and composed by Alex Mori. Wait well, a minute, Alex Mori didn't compose Final Fantasy. <laughs> arranged by Alex Mori. <laughs> <laughs> you know better than that, I'm man. So used, I'm so used to saying composed by... I know, I know. Well, you were bragging about the big guns, so who is the big gun on this track? Who was the original arranger? I mean, composer. Dang it, Nobuo you're doing, Uematsu. You're doing it to me now, yes. <laughs> Nobuo, the man, Uematsu. That was the Super Smash Flash 2 remix of the Final Fantasy Battle, originally released by Square for the NES and composed by Nobuo Oimatsu in 1987, remixed in 2011 for Super Smash Flash 2 by Alex Mori, also known as Chernabog. 
Chernabog. Wow, that, that's a retro reference if I ever heard one. Do you know what that's a reference from? Nope. That is the demon from Fantasia. And I, I think he's also a demon in legend and myth and lore, but I don't know as much about that particular, like, I think, European branch of mythology. But to get back on topic, man, wow, this song is good. I've always liked Final Fantasy Battle music, but this this really does take it to a new level. I was just, like, banging my head over here, and you were over there playing the leg drums. <laughs> what is Super Smash Flash 2? Super Smash Flash 2 is a Flash fan game that takes Super Smash Bros, puts it on a computer, and I feel like it looks like what Smash would have looked like if it debuted on the SNES. Okay. Yeah, I've seen you playing some of it, I think. So, who's the Final Fantasy character in the game? The Final Fantasy rep is Black Mage. Black Mage. Wow, that would be cool. Black Mage for Smash! (laughs) And there's also Goku. And well, Naruto, more importantly. Uh, I, w- I would argue that Goku is more important than Naruto, but <laughs> uh, different strokes. But neither one of them is ever actually going to make it in a Smash, so <laughs> whatever. And considering how expensive Cloud was, I kind of doubt we're going to see Black Mage, too. Yeah. If Black Mage gets in before Geno, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> All I mean, right. could be a me costume. Well, uh, I also have an Uematsu pick on the list. Ooh. But I think I'm going to save it for later, because I want to play something that, in my opinion, is as rocking as the one that you just played. This is from a game that I have not played. As of recording, I probably will have played it before this podcast actually airs, because it has not released yet. It is coming out later this year, and it is the sequel to a wonderful game whose music we featured on the first episode. This is a game that both of us want to play. I saw some screenshots when I went to the Hollow Knight homepage a little while back that showed what looked like the player controlling Hornet. And at first I got really excited because I thought, what, what, what is this? Is this like a secret mode in Hollow Knight? That would be super cool. Or more DLC. (laughs) Or more DLC, yeah. They've already released so much. Uh, I haven't gotten too deep in yet, but Hornet is already possibly my second favorite character in the game. She's really, really cool. She fights with a needle and thread, as opposed to Hollow Knight's nail. And she controls very differently. She's very the agile. characters in Hollow Knight. It's just the yeah. knight. Oh, that's... Yeah, I, I okay, I know. It's just the knight, and Hollow Knight is different. No spoilers. But... Um, Hornet controls very differently. She's very agile. She's kind of like a, like a ninja sort of stealth goddess. But... <laughs> Snake is not a ninja. He's... Still, though. Yeah, stealth, stealth, whatever. Okay, but she's super cool. And anyway, she is going to star in her own game called Silk Song, which is being developed by Team Cherry, the same team behind Hollow Knight, and it's going to be released for multiple systems in 2020. The composer, as he was for the first Hollow Knight game, is Christopher Larkin, Yay! and the song is called Lace.
and that was Lace from Hollow Knight Silk Song, composed by Christopher Larkin and being released in 2020. I cannot wait for this game. I hope I finish Hollow Knight first. But man, who needs rock guitars when you've got dueling violins? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. It went so many different places. The time signature just kept jumping around, kind of like Hornet. <laughs> oh, Christopher Larkin is so good. And, and oh, the cello, that, that that's what the deeper string instrument was, if you didn't know. But... And so good. So good. Maybe there'll be a grappling hook in this game, too. <laughs> well, she's got that needle and thread. That could probably function as a grappling hook. Oh, wait. Needle and thread. The game is called Silk Song. The song is called Lace. I'm sensing a motif here. <gasps> I wonder what this is. I wonder where it plays in the game. It really sounds like a boss fight to me. Well, I could talk about it forever, but I'm not going to. What do you have for us next? All right. I have... A mental block. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to be jumping from one Smash game to another, and I think you know which one it is based on me playing all of them except one. Melee. Yes, this is the Break the Targets theme from Super Smash Melee, developed by Nintendo and released in 2001 for the GameCube. And GameCube. Composed... <laughs> um, and composed by Hirokazu Ando. Enjoy. My name is Masahiro Sakura. Wait, no, it isn't. All right, that was the Break the Target theme from Super Smash Bros. Melee, released in 2001 for the GameCube and developed by Nintendo and now, I guess. Yep. And composed by Hirokazu Ando. Man, this game takes me back, or this song takes me back, rather. I spent so much time with this game with a friend of mine. In 2001, when I came home from college uh, after my first year, oh no, wait, that was the summer before I went to college, dating myself. But man, a friend of mine and I, neither one of us owned a GameCube, but we went to this video rental store that would actually rent systems out, and we rented a GameCube specifically to play this game. We also got Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which was fun. But we didn't spend very much time with it because once we turned this on, we were just unlocking all the events. And I distinctly remember falling asleep on the couch and waking up to him jumping up and screaming because he had finally beaten the final event, spoiler alert, where you have to fight Mewtwo, Ganondorf, and the first appearance of Giga Bowser. And man, it was cool. Kind of like this track. <laughs> so you want to play events, though? Yeah, I miss the events. Events are, some of them are easy, some of them are hard, some of them are hard to get S-tier on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know this because I play Super Smash Flash 2, and <laughs> there's some ridiculous events there. Oh, Smash Flash 2 has events. Yeah, um, including one where you have to try and beat Mother Brain, and um, yeah, her laser does, like, 100 damage. Wow. 100% per shot. 
Yeah, that sounds kind of similar to the Giga Bowser fight. When we do eventually get melee and you get to play it, it yeah, that that's that's going to be insane. Um, I think it was about three in the morning when my friend woke me up screaming, and we had been trying to beat Giga Bowser since about eleven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> it was that's ridiculous. It was kind of insane. Um, I got to play melee a little while back with some friends right after Smash Four came out, and. It was a little janky, not quite as cool as I remember, but it's still a very, very tight Smash game, and it's a lot of people's favorite to this day. It's really, really good. Next it, up, we have the Mii costumes. Snap! And it's got some great, great music, um, which will probably be featured on some future episodes. Uh, two of my favorite tracks of all time came from Melee, and that's the Temple theme remix from Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, actually, and the Fountain of Dreams remix of Gourmet Race from Kirby, which is maybe my number two favorite video game related track of all time. Number one, we'll have to wait for a reveal later on this season. But my next pick has some connections to this game. The director of the game was Masahiro Sakurai. Like Smash Melee and all of the Smash games to come after it, it featured a bevy of composers. Some of the biggest names in the business composed on this game. Xenoblade Chronicles? No. Sakurai did not develop Xenoblade Chronicles, oh, right. although it did have no, some that's... really big composers. <laughs> it actually shared a composer, composer with this yeah. game. Uh, this game, one of the composers was Yasunori Mitsuda. Another one was Noriyuki Iwadare, who you have maybe not heard of yet, but you will pretty soon, besides me mentioning him now. Another one was Motoi Sakuraba, who I think was also the sound director on this game. Kid Icarus Uprising. Kid Icarus Uprising. Oh, keeping man. the Nintendo love, and it was composed by many composers, as I mentioned. The composer I have not mentioned yet, who actually composed this particular track, is Yuzo Koshiro. The I name had a of track from this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, the name of the track that I picked is Arum Island. Kid Icarus Uprising was published by Nintendo for the 3DS in 2012. I had the Underworld theme. The Underworld theme is very good, based on also a very good theme. Well, I guess since both of us want to play this game badly enough that we included it in the podcast, we will have to pick it up sometime. I've heard it's kind of hard to play, but I don't care. I still want to play it because <laughs> the music's great and because Sakurai. I tried out the original Kid Icarus on an emulator back in, like, 7th grade or 8th grade. Like most NES games, it was hard. Yeah, the original surprise, Kid Icarus, surprise. I have never beaten the original Kid Icarus. We actually have the sequel to it on the 3DS, Kid Icarus 2 Myth and Monsters for the Game Boy. Maybe you should try that sometime. It's not quite as unforgiving as the original <laughs> one. But uh, we've discussed this track so much before it plays that we'll probably get to Chukapau's track fairly soon after this one finishes. But without further ado, further ado, anyway, this is Aurum Island, composed by Yuzo Koshiro for Kid Icarus Uprising.
That was Our Room Island, composed by Yuzo Koshiro for Kid Icarus Uprising. Shukapau, what do you have to say about this piece of music? It actually, surprisingly, kind of reminded me of Fantasy Life. Fantasy Life? I could hear a little bit of that. Maybe some Terra Nimbus? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Terra Nimbus kind of starts with that weird sort of ethereal, synthy, mysterious vibe before it breaks into this funky melody. And yeah, this this definitely fits that beat. I, I love Fantasy Life, but I, as much as I also love Nobuo Uematsu and do think he is a preeminent composer, I would put this particular track head and shoulders above Terra Nimbus. Uh, Koshiro, it, it's interesting because Actraiser has so much in common just thematically with Kid Icarus Uprising that you would think he would kind of play on some of those talents, but this sounds a lot more like his work on Streets of Rage than anything else. And when I was digging into this soundtrack to see what I wanted to play for this episode, that kind of makes sense. I had to dig a little bit deep, and I found a pretty cool article that's how I figured out that Koshiro composed this particular track. At least, I'm pretty sure that he did, based on the analysis at the vgmonline.net website. Uh, it didn't mention his name specifically tied to this track, but it was in a block of other tracks that he had composed, and it really, really sounds like him. So I'm pretty sure it's him. I'll put a link in the show notes to that website. It's a really cool breakdown if you're interested in learning more about this game and the compositions behind it and how that all came together. It's like Sakurai calling in favors from all of his VGM buddies. <laughs> Probably a skill that came in handy when he was getting music together for the other Smash <laughs> games. Yeah. But, oh man, I could talk forever about Kashiro too. He's really one of my favorites. But yeah, this game, uh, it's... So apparently, uh, as I was talking about earlier... At this point in the game, there are aliens that have somehow come into the picture, <laughs> and that makes the music make a lot more sense. <laughs> Shout out, my runner-up for this one was actually Magnus's theme, which I think was composed by Sakuraba. I'll have to double-check that. It's really, really good, but it also sounded really similar to some of my other tracks, like the one from The Witcher and possibly a couple more that might show up. And this one, it, this is the most unique track on my playlist. You were, like, weaving over there in your chair listening to this. Nice break from playing Chrono Trigger, I guess. <laughs> uh, now you can't play anything on the show from it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Chrono Trigger while we're, we're recording this. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Multitasking. Alright, so anything else to say about the track before we move on? Uh, no, not really. Alright, be that way. Just move on to your own stuff then, I guess. <laughs> that was me telling you to tell me what's next. Yeah, I know, I'm thinking. Oh, you're deciding. Ah, decisions, mm. decisions. You know, let's get more of that. This is You Will Know Our Names from Xenoblade Chronicles, developed by Nintendo, I think? Wow, great minds think alike again. I actually <laughs> picked a track from Xenoblade Chronicles. For the Wii in 2010, so, and this track was composed by Yoko Shimomura. My track was composed by Yoko Shimomura. What track is it? You Will Know Our Names, I already said that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was totally listening. So I picked, <laughs> I picked Colony 9, and I think what I might do is layer in the tracks that we didn't get to play from the games that we picked and shared underneath our like conversation when we're done. But, okay, without further ado, what's the name of the track again? You will know our names.
Alright, um, apparently there's a bit of a correction. Um, apparently this track was called You Will Know Our Names because that's what the composers wanted to say. This was actually <laughs> composed by Ace Plus, which is comprised of Tomori Kudo, Hiroyo Chicho Yamanaka, and Kenji Hiramatsu. Okay, cool, very cool. Well, this one's kind of confusing. Fortunately, this is one of the games where an official soundtrack was released. Um, Ed told me, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, told me that it's really kind of difficult to find specific composers for games where there wasn't an actual soundtrack released. I meant to mention that back when we were talking about Phoenix Wright. But yeah, so Ace actually started out as a duo. And I think, what was that last name that you said? Kenji Hiramatsu? Uh, yeah. Yeah, when he joined the team, uh, it became Ace Plus. And they composed quite a bit of the tracks in Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, Yoko Shimomura composed quite a few of them, and Yasunori Matsuda, I think, only composed either the beginning track or the ending track. So, I'm pretty sure it was the ending track. Okay. But the wiki that we found that information on also says that this music is heard almost solely during unique monster battles and will begin playing as soon as the unique monster has detected the lead party member. Could you imagine running around one of those fields and then all of a sudden this track starts to play? <laughs> Oh man, it's really, really good. The Xenoblade Chronicles games have a lot of good stuff in them. So, yeah. And they're going to remake it Definitive Edition. Which is the reason that we haven't played it, because... We're waiting for the Definitive Edition. Yeah, a little secret here. Your mom and I actually got you this game for Christmas. Like, this game was in our house for a couple of weeks. Wow. But then when I asked you if you wanted it for Christmas, after I was pretty sure you wanted it and we got it, you were like, eh, no, I think I'm going to wait for the Definitive Edition. So fortunately, we found somebody who was willing to buy it, and we got you Super Mario Galaxy 2 instead. Yay! <laughs> so, yeah, this was really, really good. But I think I'm going to take things down just a notch. I was thinking about skipping my Nobuo Uematsu track, because you already played one, but I kind of feel like I need to play it, because another shout-out to Mike Levy from the XBGM podcast. The opening soundbite from this episode was pulled from an episode of his YouTube series, Dude, You Haven't Played This Game? Because, you know, we haven't played these games, so I thought it was appropriate. But um, Mike is a really cool guy, he's got a, a really cool show, and you guys should totally check it out. But that particular soundbite came from the episode where he finally got around to playing a game that I also want to finally get around to playing called The Last Story. This game was produced by Nintendo and Xseed for the Wii in 2011. And it actually has an interesting connection with Xenoblade Chronicles because this was part of a, of a triumvirate of games that I don't remember the third one, but you guys should go watch Mike's episode anyway and find out all about that. But a triumvirate of games that were almost not released in North America. And they were released very late in the Wii's life cycle. And all three of them have kind of become cult classics. I almost picked up the last story over Christmas at GameStop because I, I actually saw it there and it was the first time I'd seen it in real life. But then I realized that I could probably find it cheaper online and it turns out I did. And I got some other stuff because I got quite a few RPGs this year, and so did you, and it's going to be a while before I get around to this one. So I do want to play it. Um, I watched Mike's review, and that both helped me decide to wait a little bit, but also to put it on my definitely play list. As I said before, this track was composed by Nobuo Uematsu, and the name of the track is Timber of the City.
and we're going to bring that down a little bit, let it keep playing while we talk. This is Timber of the City, composed by Nobuo Uematsu for The Last Story, released on the Wii in 2011. A little bit of a change of pace from some of the stuff we've been playing. What do you think? I like it. It has sort of a... almost a feel of suspense. Yeah. Yeah, there's some tension in some of those notes. And then, like, the second half sort of reminds me of Hollow Knight. <laughs> yeah, the, the song goes a couple of different places. Um, I, I didn't want to play the whole thing. It's almost four minutes long, um, and in between tracks. Sometimes it feels like it, it drones a little bit when shows play music for a little bit too long in between chat sessions. For those of you who enjoy that kind of thing, uh, sorry, <laughs> we wanted to get back to the action just a little bit. So, in this sense, do you know what timber means? Um, well, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, like trees falling, <laughs> village are down special. Uh, no, not quite. I mean, yes, that is what uh, lumberjacks yell before a tree falls so it doesn't fall on somebody. <laughs> it's also the name of a Pokemon. Hey, oh, yeah. I did, I did learn something about Pokemon. Gen 5. <laughs> but no, this timber is actually spelled T-I-M-B-R-E. And it has to do with like the quality of a sound. Um, not the pitch or the dynamic, but... So if you picture a wave... Um, sometimes a wave can be like a very simple up and down sort of thing. Sometimes waves have more like peaks and uh, they sort of plateau a little bit and then come back down. You know, like a square wave or a triangle wave. They're called that because if you look at them on like a sound, like a digital audio workstation or something like that, they'll actually have different shapes. Well, timber is those shapes. It's the quality of the sound. So leave it to a guy like Uematsu to take that and then apply it to the tone of this city. Which I think is conveyed pretty well in this song. I mean, I haven't played the game, so I can't vouch for that for sure, but it, this definitely conveys a tone of, like you said, mystery, suspense, a little bit of melancholy. Uh, I picture this happening at night, definitely. Um, but regardless, I enjoyed it. It's, it's a lovely little track. And what do you have for us next? Next, I have a track that I don't exactly know how to pronounce the name of, but <laughs> at the time of recording, was recently put into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Okay. This is Fodlin Wins? Fodlin Wins? Fodlin Wins, yes. From Fire Emblem Three Houses, released in 2019 for the Nintendo Switch and developed by Nintendo, and composed by Ray Kondo.
That was Fadwan Wins from Fire Emblem Three Houses, released in 2019, developed and released by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch and composed by Ray Kondo, who actually composed first for the Okami games, Okami and Okami Den. Okami has a fantastic soundtrack. And Ray Kondo has really done a lot of great work. I think he's been involved with Fire Emblem since... Awakening. Best Fire Emblem soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I prefer it to Fates, actually. I, I like some of the stuff from Fates, but I think that Awakening... I think Awakening is more consistent. Fates has some really high points. But yeah, I, I've heard this pronounced Fodlin wins on some of the podcasts I've listened to. If you like what you hear, I definitely encourage you to go check out some of the other, some of the shows that have done like a focus on this. I think the Super Marcado Bros did it recently. Uh, BG Mania with Brian and Frank did it recently. It's a great game. You know, we own this game now. Yeah. And you want to play it. Yeah. And I want to play it. Yeah. So we should start playing it. Well, yeah, I gotta finish <laughs> Awakening first. <laughs> Okay, fine. So have you settled on which path you think you want to take yet? Yeah, probably the um, Golden Deer house, I think it was. I'm kind of torn between Golden Deer and I think the Blue Lions. The other house is the one I'm kind of least interested in, but I think eventually I'm going to play through all of them anyway. So this one is really good. Although actually the third house is the one that I think it has the biggest pivotal like point in the game. I should really look up what that third house is while we're talking. So you talk for a little bit while I do that. Okay, so I started Fire Emblem before Three Houses came out with Fire Emblem Fates, which is kind of ironic because at that time, it was the last Fire Emblem game release. I obviously picked the female corn because female corn is superior. <laughs> I had some fun times with that game. I eventually got super overpowered. Um, at that point, I didn't really know how to use the weapon shops and forges and stuff, so I became overpowered <laughs> without forging my weapons. Nice, that's impressive. <laughs> um, they took out the tomes and put in these things called spirits that look kind of like fans. Honestly, I think they yeah. were better off with the tomes. <laughs> but they took out weapon durability. Yeah, I-, I enjoyed Fates quite a bit. So we got Fire Emblem Fates Birthright. Uh, we never got Conquest because we just never really got too into it. But um, Awakening is, I think, one of both of our favorite games. It's um, easily my favorite game in the series. I've played a few other ones. I did play Shadow Dragon on the DS, which is a remake of the first Fire Emblem, if I'm not mistaken. And that's about the only way in the West that you're going to play the original game unless you know Japanese and get some, like, ROMs or something like that. What are you doing? There's a Sakurai pose from the Violet presentation. Oh, yeah, the Sakurai pose from the probably now infamous Violet presentation. (laughs) People were not super stoked to have Byleth and Smash. By the but... time Alpharad did a reaction video to that, it had 69 dislikes. Oh, man. Nice. 69,000, sorry. <laughs> not just 69. <laughs> <laughs> 69,000 dislikes, yeah. Well, Byleth plays pretty well now that we've tried them out. Byleth um, is super broken. Yes, well, so is Hero, and you love Hero, <laughs> so... Yeah. But it'll be interesting. By the time that this launches, we'll have learned what most of the next fighter pack is. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I'm actually kind of excited that Byleth is in there, uh, uh, but it is also nice that that's not the note they're going to go out on. I feel <laughs> like they really need to drop a major player for the very last one. Lloyd. Okay, Lloyd, I know you want Lloyd in Smash. Lloyd's super major in Japan, though. He's not a major player in the world of video games. Yeah, but still, he was the number one vote in Japan for the Ultimate Fighter thingy. Okay, alright, touche. 
Touche. Well, maybe there is hope for him then. I and do, I do also, think also um, the Tales series is like in the top three best-selling series in Japan. Do you know what the best-selling series is? Probably Final Fantasy. Nope. Okay, then it's Dragon Quest. Yes, Dragon Quest is like there are official holidays from work when Dragon Quest releases in Japan. Wow. <laughs> that is how big it is. It's so much bigger over there than it has been in the West, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's much bigger there than even Final Fantasy is. Shout out to Koichi Sugiyama, who is a fantastic composer, and we'll leave it at that. So, coming back to Three Houses, the three different schools or paths that you can sort of follow in this game... It takes place on the continent of Fodlan. That's, I guess, where we get Fodlan wins. The character takes control of Byleth, the main character, who I've heard is probably the, like, least distinct and unique character in the game. <laughs> He's kind, kind of... He, she is kind of flat, but, I mean, I guess they can't all be Robin, huh? My stats are great, but my personality sucks. <laughs> Alright, so the three schoolhouses are Slytherin and Hufflepuff and... Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> Better be! Um, the Black Eagles, led by Edelgard, Imperial Princess and heir to the Adrestian throne. The Blue Lions, commanded by Prince Dimitri of the Kingdom. The Kingdom! That's original. <laughs> and the Golden Deer, led by Claude... Heir to the Alliance's leading family. So, the one that we did not remember was the Black Eagles. And I did hear that the Black Eagles unlock kind of a pivotal moment in the game and some stuff that you don't necessarily get on the other paths. So, one of us will eventually have to play that. Maybe we could play the other two first and then we could go back and play that last one together. But anyway, so we have talked a lot about Fire Emblem, and I have talked a lot on this show about how much I love RPGs, and as much as I wanted to have some diversity on this playlist, I simply could not get away from it without talking about a game that I desperately want to play at some point. But since I've never owned a PlayStation of any generation, I have not been able to. It is not Shadow of the Colossus, although I do want to play that. It is not God of War, although I do want to play that. It is not The Last of Us, although I also do want to play that. And I actually had tracks from all of those on my shortlist for this episode that we'll just have to save for another time. This is from a much older game, and it is the sequel to the game that you have been playing while we've been recording this episode. I am, of course, talking about Chrono Cross, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda from Chrono Cross, published by Square for the PlayStation 1 in 1999. This is Death Volcano.
That was Death Volcano from Chrono Cross, composed by Yasunori Matsuda, one of my favorite composers of all time, and definitely, definitely very good music. Uh, Shukapan and I were talking during this track, and what did you say it reminded you of? Uh, Zelda, sort of. Yeah, Zelda, sort of, to me, too. I mean, it is called Death Volcano, (laughs) so... But not a whole lot. Um, I, I think... Especially the opening sounded like Zelda. It made me think of the castles in the Dark World in A Link to the Past. But it's really unique, and it doesn't sound a lot like anything from Chrono Trigger, um, unlike some of the other songs in this game, which may be the reason I settled on it. I listened to quite a bit of this soundtrack, and I've heard it a lot just um, over the years. But Chrono Cross is a bit of a polarizing game. It doesn't have much of a continuation from the story of Chrono Trigger, at least not at first. I do think I've heard about some twists and turns that it takes that sort of tie back into some stuff from Chrono Trigger, but I sort of purposely not looked it up for quite a while because I am hoping to play a definitive edition at some point if they ever release it, which (laughs) I hope they do. This was an interesting track. I kind of liked how... I don't know, what do you think it is about this track that makes it seem fitting for a volcano? The the bass line with the drums, mm-hmm. sort of the heavy, like, timpani. Yeah. I think that, that that tambourine and just some of the sort of tribal sounds reminds me of some stuff that you might think of around a volcano. A surprisingly calm track. That This volcano is apparently not active, even though... You know, maybe it's dead. Maybe that's why they call it Death Volcano. (laughs) So now I have to figure out how I'm going to narrow down my last track for the night. But you actually have two more that you get to play, unless I'm mistaken. Not counting our outro track. So aren't you spoiled rotten? (laughs) What is the next track that you have for us? All right. This is actually one that I literally just put in here. This I told that. you I was going to put in a last-minute track before this. This is my real last-minute track. <laughs> okay. Um, I have the title theme slash map slash Insanity Beach from Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, released in 2017 for the PlayStation 4 by Activision and composed by Josh Mansell. And also recently released for the Switch because you're, that's the version we have. yeah because your little brother recently got it. Who? Quick correction from last week. He has said that he does not want to be known as Caladon, which is a name that I gave him a couple of years ago, and has been sort of appropriated by his cousin, who calls him Caladoni, which sounds like some sort of moldy Italian food. (laughs) So maybe that's why he doesn't like that. What he does prefer is the nickname that you gave him. Lemon Boy. Lemon Boy. Okay. Well, we've talked about that so much that I forgot. Oh, Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy. And what's the name of the song again? Um, this is the title theme, slash map theme, slash Insanity Beach Outer.
and that was the map slash title slash Insanity Beach Outer from Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Alright, so you want to play this game? Well, no, but the music's pretty cool. Well, I guess technically the topic wasn't games we haven't played and want to play, it's just games we haven't played. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well cool. Um, definitely kind of a change of pace. This is the most bouncy, upbeat, I guess, like, stereotypical fun VGM track that we've heard. Not too much to say as far as, like, analyzing the track. It's nice. It definitely seems to fit the Crash Bandicoot persona. Why did you pick it? Um, well, I just kind of liked the general fun, bouncy aspect of it. Okay. Was it, like, the best song from the soundtrack that you heard? Did you listen to much of the soundtrack, or did you just no, know that you... No, this is actually the only song in the soundtrack that I've heard. Okay, so you just, like, heard it in the game, and you thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. So Okay, so you said this was, like, a last-minute edition sort yeah. of thing? Okay. Like, while we were recording, you thought of it? or Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Cool. Well, I guess that leads me to my next track. This is for a game that I wasn't really interested in at first... But then I heard the guys on BG Mania do a whole episode showcase about the soundtrack, and I thought it was pretty cool. And then I've heard more and more about the game as the end of year approached. Uh, this was on some people's like top game of the year list, and it sounds more and more interesting the more that I hear about it. And so it eventually did make its way to my want-to-play list, and the music is pretty good. This is from Katana Zero, Boss Boss Battle, composed by Bill Kiley. The score was composed by Bill Kiley and Ludwig, with some guest composers on a few tracks. The game was developed by ASCIISoft and published by Devolver Digital for PC and Switch in 2019.
That song goes places that I did not expect. I think that I only listened to about the first 30 seconds of it before I was like, yep, I'm putting this track in. <laughs> but this game, it just sounds really cool. You know, I've been playing a lot of um, indie stuff lately, and I like the retro stuff, like the Messenger. I also like the more like artsy stuff, like Hollow Knight. And I have found out that I like games that are hard. <laughs> Shovel Knight kind of taught me that, and then the Messenger, and especially Hollow Knight, have taught me that even more lately. And this, from what I've heard, is a very hard game, but it's also a very rewarding game. Um, you cannot play it yet, because it is rated M for lots and lots and lots of sword violence. <laughs> I mean, a game where you can deflect bullets with a sword. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But there's, I think, a lot of also like profanity and some drug use and things like that. So definitely not for kids. And you're still a little bitty kid. I'm 14 and this is deep. All right. So anyway, child, what did you think? Wow, that very wow. Um, <laughs> that really did sound like a boss theme. Uh, themes that have that kind of like extreme feel kind of lose me like midway. So I this sort of. But it was after the midway point when you were like, "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> yeah. So I guess this one powered through for you, huh? Yep. So what what do you like visualize thinking of like side scrolling action games in this scene? Hmm. I don't know. So do you think that this would fit in something like Hollow Knight or? I mean, if it was if it was sort of like remade for piano and violin and stuff, then uh, maybe, some more yeah. orchestral. Yeah, the instruments. I think it is kind of a futuristic setting, which makes the instruments make a little bit more sense. But that is my last regular track of the night. We actually are taking sort of a. We took sort of a break in between the last session and this session, and in between, Shukapau graciously agreed to give me the closeout track for this <laughs> week. And I think the format that we're going to follow from now on is whoever picks the episode theme picks the intro track, and the other person will get to pick the outro. But before we move to that, we do have Shukapau's last selection. So, what do you have for us, sir? Do you have any surprises? For this pick, you'll never see it coming, because it's Last Surprise from Persona 5, released for the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 by Atlas in 2016, and composed by Shoji Maguro. Step and you're dead. 
Alright, and that was Last Surprise from Persona 5, composed by Shoji Maguro. That was not a surprise at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've obviously never played it, because it's also rated M. And it's for systems that we don't own. It wasn't a surprise because I know you want to play this game. This <laughs> is like, this is the song that I've heard from it, and so I just kind of assumed, I don't know, you probably know a lot more of the music from it than I do. This just seems like a fitting one to pick. So tell me about this game. I have heard some stuff about the Persona series. I know it's kind of a spinoff of the Shin Megami Tensei series. Uh, one of my podcasting buddies, Brian from BG Mania, that I've mentioned a few times in this episode, really likes the Persona series. I think Persona 4 or 5 might be his favorite game, like modern RPG. So tell me about it. Alright, so when Joker was announced for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, I think, wasn't it like the... It was the 2018 Game Awards. Yeah, okay. I had no idea who this character was, like, four out of the five characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of them were third party except for Violet. Uh, yeah, so I tried to find out more about this game, and I basically didn't do that for all the other ones. I Hold on find- just a second. You're going to make me sound like a really bad gamer, Dad. You knew who Banjo and Kazooie were. I don't think so. Uh, I don't really like- think I'd ever heard of them before. I mean, you'd heard the music from Banjo-Kazooie, right? I think so, maybe. I mean, before Banjo dropped, at least, because I had talked about him as a possible fighter. Wow. I really need to... I need to teach you more stuff. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. It'll get better with time. My bad. Please continue. Alright, so you play the protagonist who lives in Tokyo, and uh, he starts this new school, and basically there's this um, gym teacher who is kind of a jerk, and so he and a new friend of his that he had just met that day, I don't know, they like stumble into this giant castle, which is the location of the school, and the ruler is the jerk teacher, so they eventually find out, with the help of a magical cat named Morgana, they find out that this is the gym teacher's subconscious, and so they eventually Uh. get out so the dungeons are like other people's dreams. Okay, yeah. yeah, I think I've heard that before. Well, that sounds pretty cool. Even though I like RPGs, I'm not super into the style of this game, uh, so I'm not sure how much I would enjoy it, but I would enjoy watching you play it and hearing you talk about it. But we didn't go on for eight minutes about it like we did with Pokemon last <laughs> week. And even though we did get positive feedback for that, um, there was one specific comment that we got, I think from Stephen Kelly, a formerly of the OC Remix podcast and Train Station at 8, and still involved with the OC Remix scene, he said that he he thought it was really cool to hear two different generations talking about Pokemon through the years. So we got some good feedback on that, but since we didn't go on for eight minutes about any of the tracks this time, that gives us a little bit more time to play a couple more tracks. So uh, we decided this while Last Surprise was playing, so we have one last surprise for you. One more pair of tracks before we get to our closeout. And I'm going to follow up the Persona games with a very, very recent release that I do want to play. I think you want to play it too. You mentioned maybe us getting it for Christmas and we just decided not to, but the more I hear about this game, the more I really want it. Lots of people have raved about it that I've heard, and I recently also heard that the music was pretty good, so I decided to finally check it out. We can talk a little more about it when we come back. This track is Field Theme 3. The game is Ring Fit Adventure, released for the Nintendo Switch by Nintendo in 2019. There are no official track credits here, but the composers for this game are Shinji Ushiroda, Masi Miyoshi, 
Shiho Fuji, and Asuka Hayazaki. From Ring Fit Adventure, that was Field Theme 3. So, I don't think I've ever heard anything that I would describe as both chill and upbeat at the same time. That's a nice little track! And it makes sense because when you're moving around the field, you know, you're like walking or running in place with that leg strap with one of the Joy-Cons attached to it. So, what do you think? Yeah, I like this theme. Um, it's good, it's nice, it's fun. But as much as I like field themes, I've always found, like, Okay, as much as I like fields and open areas, like overworlds, I've always liked dungeons in video games a lot, and um, that's kind of why, in a little easter egg, that's kind of why I made my dungeon theme so upbeat. <laughs> Not super upbeat, but just a little bit. Well, yeah, uh, you guys will probably hear a little bit more about this in the future, but uh, Shukapau is composing the soundtrack for an RPG that his buddy, RJ, is developing. Well, right now developing is like coming up with the story and what happens yeah. in the game, because none of them are actually game developers. <laughs> but, um, who knows, maybe someday you'll actually be playing the game and hearing his stuff for real. But yeah, this game, I've heard that it does help you um, kind of work up a sweat. You walk around, as I mentioned, with uh, one of the Joy-Cons strapped to your leg. The other Joy-Con is on this big ring thing that you can do different kinds of exercises with. And that's how you, like, do different moves and things like that. And the more you play through the game, the more moves you unlock. And the last I heard, I haven't heard of anybody beating this game. Like, I haven't heard of anybody talking about the final boss battle or how many hours it took them to get through it or anything like that. But I think you made a very appropriate comment when we were listening. We Fit Generation 2. Yeah, this does sound appropriately like the next generation of We Fit. And I think that that can be chalked up to one of the composers. I'm actually doing some looking up right now. The only name here that is familiar to me is Shiho Fuji. I should probably know more about some of these other folks, but um, she has been a Nintendo composer for quite a while. She worked on Skyward Sword from the Legend of Zelda series, Splatoon, 
New Super Mario Bros. U, Mario Kart 8, and appropriately back in 2007, her first composition for Nintendo was... What do you think? We Fit? Yep. And doing a little digging here, the reason that I didn't recognize the name of Asuka Hayasaki is because she must have gotten married uh, sometime in the last couple of years. I know her better as Asuka Oda. She also was a composer on Splatoon and Splatoon 2 and on Mario Kart Wii, Wii Fit Plus, Twilight Princess. So it almost seems like she and Shio Fuji sort of traded off uh, <laughs> some of these big Nintendo series because it takes two people to um, take the place of Koji Kondo, apparently. Well, even more than that, because Toru Minigishi also did a lot of Zelda. But she composed, um, this is Asuka Hayasaki, also composed some of the stuff for Wii Fit Plus, which makes some sense, and um, I think you'd be interested to know that she also composed Pikmin 3. Hmm. Uh, Masa Miyoshi is a more recent addition to the Nintendo composer family, her first compositions were for Mitomo and One Two Switch, and her only other <laughs> the only other um, composition credit she has, other than Ring Fit Adventure, is something on Smash Bros. Ultimate that she arranged. It doesn't list here. Oh, it was the main theme from Luigi's Mansion. She arranged that for Smash Ultimate. Shinji Ushiroda is a veteran composer who started out at Konami, um, came over to Nintendo with Donkey Kong Country Returns in 2010, also composed Rhythm Heaven's Fever, which has some similarities to the sound of this track, continued on with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, uh, worked on Metopia, also did some music arrangement for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate that was actually Vampire Killer. <laughs> hmm. So a pretty good lineup of composers here, I'd say. But what do you have for us? Um, after my magnanimous decision to grant you one more pick and our listeners two more songs, what are you going to close out the night with? I'm closing out night by going back to one of the best game systems in existence, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And the okay. track that I will be playing is Corneria from Star Fox. You haven't played Star Fox? No. Dude, we have, we, we, we've had an SNES classic for over two years. All I've played on is... Earthbound and Super Mario World. <laughs> well, you should definitely check out Star Fox. Yeah. I prefer the gameplay of Star Fox 64 myself, but the music of Star Fox is amazing. So I'll stop talking and let you introduce the track. Alright, this was released in 1993 by Nintendo for the SNES, like I just mentioned, and composed by Hajime Hirasawa.
Alright, and we're back. That was Corneria from Star Fox, released for the SNES in 1993 by Nintendo and composed by Hajime Hirasawa. Oh, that brings back memories. That is a classic, classic track. One of the V-grade video game music tracks, definitely one of the standout tracks from the Super NES. So what do you like so much about Corneria? I like the fast pace and just the feeling of, you know, flying a spaceship thing around a city. Yeah, it does definitely convey that. So so you've seen, like, footage of this, then? Uh, yeah. What about those graphics, man? Aren't they cutting edge? <laughs> yeah. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> <laughs> well, they really were for the time. It, yeah. was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, I'm looking forward to you playing Star Fox. You're probably going to play it for about ten minutes and then be like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> but <laughs> I can't tell what anything is. <laughs> but the music, you, you cannot argue. Hajime Hirasawa is a master. Agreed. Star Wolf's theme is amazing in Star Fox 64. That was actually uh, Koji Kondo and somebody else took over on Star Fox 64. I don't remember exactly who. Star Wolf's theme is one of the best tracks from that game. Uh, The ending theme is amazing from Star Fox 64. We'll have to check that out sometime. All right, well, that's going to do it for us, everyone. Uh, As we mentioned last time, you can find us at various places on the interwebs. I'll be linking show notes to all of our various things, but you can find us at verygoodmusicvgm at gmail.com. Send all of your comments, questions, diatribes, sarcastic remarks, and, uh, of course, track suggestions to that email address. And you can find us at VGM Very Good Music on YouTube. Tell us where we can find your compositions, sir. I compose on a website called Flat.io, and I just published my 50th score. <laughs> so You've been very busy. Yes. All right. With, uh, like, Mega Man arrangements and composition and stuff. Speaking of Mega Man, I think what I'm going to do for our pick for next week is an idea that I've had bouncing around in my head for a while. It's not the Mega Man 2 vs. 3 episode that I've already hinted at a couple of times and won't stop talking about probably until we do it. (laughs) Um, The topic for the next episode is going to be rivals, rogues, and frenemies. Let's go. This is going to be characters who are not necessarily evil. They're not the main antagonist of their game. But they do tend to make trouble for the hero, at least in part of the game that they're in. Proto-Man and Dark Pit and stuff. Yeah, Proto-Man and Dark Pit and stuff. So you can pick any track that is the theme from one of those characters. You pick, you know, a handful of tracks. I'll pick a handful of tracks. We'll see how many we get to play. But what we are going to play out with is a game that I had actually almost forgotten about, despite the fact that I really, really want to play this game. The game is Hypnospace Outlaw. Have you ever heard of this? No. I only heard of it on a couple of podcasts last year. Uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version played it on his uh, Best of 2019 episode near the end of 2019. And um, Rob Nichols from the Rhythm and Pixels podcast just played it on their Game of the Decade games, I say, of the decade episode, which was, I believe, 21-5. So everyone go check it out if you want to hear more about this game. It sounds amazing. I will just say it's a simulation video game. It was developed by Tindershoot and published by No More Robots for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux in 2019. Set in an alternate history 1999, the game takes place inside a parody of the early internet called Hypnospace, where people go when they sleep.
and you are given the task. You're sort of like a moderator, and you protect all of these sleeping people and their dreams from vicious attack. Kind of like Persona, I guess. <laughs> the music is nothing like Persona. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Not that Persona isn't, but it's very, very different. Composed by Jay Tholen, who was the main composer for the OST. This is Millennium Anthem .hsm version. Everybody, have a great night, or as my son told me last time, a great day, a great <laughs> afternoon, a great commute, a great midnight snack. Whatever time you're listening to this, we hope that you enjoy it. Have a great one, and we will see you next week. Have fun with that midnight snack. Enjoy the blooper, you guys. Now it's short time. And that surprisingly calming track. I can't talk. I've got a good rhythm going. That was. <clears throat> that would probably function as a grappling. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> you did the same thing I did. <laughs> I can feel the power. Marvel vs. Capcom. This is not cool. Um, We're waiting for the. I got through that pretty good. And that was Boss 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 Monster. Stop it! <laughs> yeah! Sherna Sherna Bog, I think. This is a good result! Stop kicking the table, by the way. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I was toying with the idea of saving ending themes for our last episode, whenever that is, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to wait that long, because there are just too many <laughs> great ending themes. Maybe like the end of season one. Season one from like Oh, you mean, like, do the episode for the end of season one? Yeah. It's late. I'm really feeling it! 
I get stupider the later it gets. <laughs> the future is ours to decide. Let's go, everyone! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>